That would be the response I'd get from Glenn. So you got to know who to ask, how are you feeling? How many of you have already overdone your limit on chocolate? Just on chocolate. On chocolate Easter bunnies and, you know. You know, I think this, this may be the first year. My wife has always got the kids those chocolate peanut butter eggs and, you know, bunnies. And I personally agree. I think chocolate and peanut butter are wonderful combinations. And just in case you've never tried it, get yourself a peanut butter milkshake. And and if that sounds like too much for you, put some chocolate in it. So, you you know, chocolate peanut butter. But it's very, very, very good stuff. I think this is the first year you haven't just filled the house with this chocolate peanut butter stuff. But anyway, I just hate it when the kids have all this candy laying around the house, you know. Don't go in the dining. Don't go in the dining. There's there's candy all in the. It's there, it is there. Okay, I guess I left this morning before it was unveiled. But the chocolate peanut butter stuff is there. How many of you have are planning on hiding? And you see, I'm not very religious, so I'm not offended by these things. How many of you plan on hiding some Easter eggs, you know, or something? That's good, you know. I, in fact, they're doing that in children's church right now, and so. Let me give you some advice. If you're using real eggs, okay. Scouts Honor, Voice of Experience, if you're using real eggs, first of all, I highly recommend that you hard boil them first. <laughs> Second thing is, I highly recommend you, you make a list or a map. You remember where you put those things, because even if they're hard boiled, they're pretty nasty, you know, mid-August when you find them. I've, I've been in the backyard and went, ooh, could that be an Easter egg? It's, it's hard to tell right now. Well, this is a wonderful time of year, especially if you're a Christian. Now, we Christians, we like to have fun. And we Christians, we like to eat chocolate. That should be in the Bible. (laughs) Maybe it is. Maybe I just haven't found it yet. But, you know, we Christians like to have fun. We like to play games. And and parents, whatever you can do today, spend time with your kids and have fun. I don't care care if you're hiding eggs or if you're acting like the, the bunny rabbit himself. I don't care. Just enjoy your family. Enjoy your children. Be Be a fun parent. My kids are saying amen right now. They wish I would be, but be a, be a fun parent. And you can do all that and remember why we celebrate today. And like I said at the beginning of this service, every day is resurrection day for the believer. This isn't one day a year for us. You know why we meet on Sundays? Because Sunday is the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He overcame death, hell, and the grave, and he brought victory to you and I today. And so we celebrate every single Sunday the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. Amen?
Now I'm reading one quick verse out of the Bible in Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. Jesus Christ himself is speaking. And in this verse, in fact in verse 17 he says, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. And verse 18, listen carefully, verse 18, Jesus said, I am he who lives. He starts with that. I am he who lives and was dead. He said, I was dead, but I'm not dead anymore. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And then he goes on to say, I have the keys of hell and death. What does that mean? He's in charge. He's in control. Now I just want to go briefly through this time in the life of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Jesus overcame the basic fears that you and I struggle with. I think one great fear that we all struggle with is a fear of rejection. We all want to belong. We all want to fit in. Nobody... Hello? (laughs) I guess I need help this morning. I don't know. Hold on, hold on. Y'all are having way too much fun. Don't you know this is church? You're not supposed to laugh and have fun in church. Certainly not at my expense. Rejection. I'm feeling it. Oh, yeah, thank you, thank you very much. You know, the last thing any of us want to feel is left out or rejected or not accepted. Like we don't fit, we don't belong. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came to his own people, and you know what? They did not receive him. They rejected him. His own disciples, one denied him, the other betrayed him. The crowds that one day shouted, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Just a week later, they're crying out, crucify him, crucify him. The soldiers ridiculed him, mocked him, spit upon him. But the greatest rejection Jesus felt was when he was hanging on the cross. When the sin of mankind was placed upon him, God had to turn his back. And on the cross, Jesus uttered these immortal words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Rejection is something that Jesus Christ knew quite well. And I'm glad I, let's let's go forward here. No, no, no. There you go. That's all right.
This picture was taken on the Mount of Olives just a few months ago. And yes, that is me standing there, in case you were wondering. But as you walk down from the top of the Mount of Olives and you walk toward Jerusalem, you go through these massive gardens. And these are, these are 2,000-year-old olive trees behind me. This is the garden that Jesus prayed when he wept, as it were, great drops of blood. And he, and he cried out to his Father, If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But it is in that garden of prayer that Jesus ultimately prayed one of the greatest prayers you'll ever read anywhere when he said, not my will, but thine be done. All of us want to stay alive. All of us want to live. None of us want to die. But in this garden, he prayed and he came to the point where he was willing to give his life, to go through all of the pain, all of the rejection, all of the suffering, and ultimately be crucified on that cross. He overcame this fear of rejection for you and I. And I have another point here, and I have another picture, and I'm not in this next picture, gladly. Whoops. All right, let's just, let's just keep it the way it is. I am in this picture. There's something called injustice. Life is never fair at all times. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why are some of you going through what you're going through right now? Why are there car wrecks? Why is there pain and suffering in the world? Life is never always fair. Jesus experienced injustice. He was tried for crimes for which he was not guilty. The trial was rigged. The witnesses were false. Even the judge, Pilate, said, I find no fault in him. And yet, due to public pressure and the opinion of the crowd, things happened beyond his control, and he was found guilty and sentenced to death. And that's a fairly true picture of life for all of us. At one point or another, we've all experienced one form of prejudice or another. It might be racial, but there are so many kinds of prejudice. We experience inequality, unfairness, bad things happen that we don't deserve. It's, it's a shame, but children grow up often unloved, sometimes neglected and even abused. And if you've ever been through junior high, you know teenagers can be completely merciless upon each other. Teenagers often resort to self-destructive behaviors that at times lead to accidental death or even intentional suicide. And it doesn't stop when you become an adult. We're treated unfairly, sometimes in our families, other times in our communities, often at work. Injustice happens to all of us. Jesus experienced 
this level of injustice. And even though he was the most perfect, innocent human who ever lived, he was sentenced to the worst kind of death possible. The death of crucifixion. The death on the cross. And the next picture, he experienced pain beyond our human comprehension. I know you've seen many movies and depictions of the pain that Jesus went through. Many of you went to see the 99 this last few weekends in Odessa. And if you went there on every night but one, our pastor Josh played Jesus. But no movie can ever portray the reality of the cross. We know the symbolic gestures of pain where they crushed the crown of thorns on his head. We know that they ripped the beard out of his face. We know that the Roman soldiers used a cat of nine tails, and a cat of nine tails was a whip with usually nine different leather straps hanging out, and at the end of each leather strap there would be tied something very sharp, a bone, piece of pottery, a very sharp rock, so that not only did they lash the skin, but the, the rocks and the pottery would actually dig into the flesh and then be removed. It's far worse than any movie or picture or drama that you've ever seen because we really couldn't show what it looked like. And that's why the Bible says in Isaiah 52 that his appearance, his physical form was destroyed more than any other human before or since. He experienced a pain and ultimately he was led to the top of this hill just outside the city of Jerusalem. And there he was crucified on the place of the skull. Golgotha, as it is called. And there he hung until he finally said, Lord, it is finished. And he took his last breath and he died hanging there on the cross. And quickly they gathered his body. They took him down from the cross and they carried him to the rich man's tomb, Joseph's tomb. And let's go to the next place. That's the garden tomb, the door there. Death is undoubtedly our greatest fear. We have dozens of coping me uh, mechanisms. When we're young, we simply convince ourselves we are invincible and nothing that I do will ever lead to death. But the reality is 99 teenagers die every day in America. Most are preventable deaths. As adults, we try to escape from our own fear of death. From one extreme, we do outrank hedonism, pleasure-seeking to cover up any source of pain or thoughts of death that we might have. On the other side, we just live in total denial that it, that will ever happen to me. The Bible says that the fear of death holds all of us in bondage. Jesus experienced our greatest fear. And I don't know about you, but the first time I read this in my Bible, I was quite surprised. Most Christians are surprised when they read 
in Acts chapter 2 that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, when he died, he didn't go to heaven, my friend. He didn't go to heaven. He did not go to heaven. Well, where did he go? Well, understand what his death on the cross symbolized. It was on the cross that the sin of all humanity from ages past all the way through today, even to the future, all the sin of every human being was placed on Jesus Christ. He bore our sin. In fact, the Bible says he became sin for us. Now understand, he never committed a sin. He never committed a sin. But he became sin. Sin was placed upon him. And he died with the sin of mankind. He died a sinner's death to pay the price for our sin. And the only way he could pay the price for our sin is if he were to die and go to hell. And the Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ died and went to hell. I promise you, while... There seems to be a veil in the Bible that we can't really look beyond. We really, we can imagine, we might even speculate, but who knows the pain and torment that Jesus experienced during that time while he was in hell, held captive by the devil himself. I assure you that the pain, the physical pain that he endured from the whipping and being nailed to the cross does in no way compare to the spiritual, mental, and emotional pain that the perfect Son of God experienced in the depths of hell itself. Why did Jesus taste hell? The Bible says he tasted death and hell for us all. Now why did Jesus experience all of this? Why did Jesus experience this rejection? Think about it. God created man and then man rejected God. Why did Jesus experience this pain? The Bible also gives us the answer to these questions. He was rejected so that you and I could be accepted by God. And not just accepted by God. It's important. The Bible says that he has made us accepted in the beloved. Now who's the beloved? You are. You are beloved by God. And Jesus died on the cross to make every one of us here accepted by each other. They say, man, I'm no good. I just want to say, well, welcome to the crowd. None of us are righteous in our own means right here. There's only one thing that gets any of us into the church of Jesus Christ, and that is the precious blood of Jesus that washes away our sin. And if you're looking for a really perfect bunch of people, I've got two points. One point is you didn't find it here. The second point is you won't find it anywhere else. Somebody says, I'm looking for the perfect church. You won't find it. And if you do, the moment you joined it, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. <laughs> we are called, though, to accept one another. And to love one another in spite of each other's faults. Can I get a witness? All right. And that includes me. I've got some really sad news for some of you. 
you've got to love me. Why did Jesus suffer rejection? So that we could be accepted with each other and with God. Why did Jesus endure all of the pain and the suffering and the torture? The Bible says he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus' very first sermon, he quoted Isaiah, and it's recorded in Luke chapter 4, 18. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He experienced that pain to heal us, our hearts, our minds, our emotions, even our bodies, for by his stripes we are healed. He experienced the pain to give us his healing and help. He experienced injustice. So that as we go through times where we understand, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? We can also go to the Bible that tells us that God, no matter what bad happens to you, God can take all those bad things and make them work out for our good. Oh, I'm not saying everything that happens to you is good. It's not. But I'm saying God can take whatever you're going through and still turn it into something good. For you. Why did Jesus experience the ultimate death on the cross? That's the only way that you and I could have real life, true life, eternal life. And Jesus went to hell. So you don't have to. Jesus went to hell so that you don't have to. Jesus went to hell so that you and I can go to heaven and have a glorious future right here on earth. Now I showed you just a moment ago the picture of the tomb there. And there is a door. And if you walk up to that door right there, there's a sign you can't read from here. But that sign says, He is not here. He is risen. And if you, amen, go ahead. <clears throat> and if you walk up to that door like I did, and, and there is no stone there anymore, but if you walk up to that, that door as I did, and you walk inside, this is what you see. That's actually a carved out in the solid rock in the stone. That's the bed where they would have laid Jesus Christ. And I looked all over and I promise you, he's not there. The tomb is empty. Jesus died on the cross and went to hell and God raised him from the dead. He showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, the Bible says. To over 500 people at one time and dozens of others through a period of many, many, many days. And then finally he walked up to the Mount of Olives again. He ascended into heaven and he is in heaven right now. The Bible says seated at the right hand of God, his Father.
He is there with God his Father interceding for you and I, praying for you and I, making intercession for us. And he is right there in heaven answering our prayers from his position of power. And there in heaven he empowers us to live here on this earth. And I've got some more good news. Can you handle just one more bit of good news? He's coming back. He did not stay in hell. He did not stay in the uh, tomb. And he's not even going to stay in heaven. He is coming back. Now I'm going to ask you to do two things today. Every one of you. I'm going to ask you to do two things. First of all, I want you to believe in this historical account of Jesus Christ. It's not a myth. It's not the Easter Bunny. It's not Santa Claus. It's not the Tooth Fairy. It's a fact, a historical fact proven over and over and over again. And I want you to believe not just that it is a historical fact, but I want you to believe that it is a truth that applies to your life. That he suffered for you. He was rejected for you. He was in pain for you. He died for you. And he rose from the dead for you. And that means he can deliver you from any sin. He can forgive you for any sin because he's already taken care of it. The first thing I want you to believe and the second thing I want you to receive this truth into your own life. Just receive this truth and say, I believe that Jesus died for me and paid the price for me and it cleanses me of all sin and all unrighteousness. And if you put your faith in Jesus, he will make you a new person. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ or receives Christ, he is a new person. Old things are passed away. You've got a brand new life ahead of you. I want you to believe it, but I want you to receive it. Apply it to your own life and say, this works for me. My life is changed right now. Because of Jesus. I'm going to ask everybody in the building right now, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And I'm asking everyone to pray this prayer out loud. And I want you to believe it, and I want you to receive it into your own life. Everyone say, God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to this planet who lived a perfect life suffered great injustice, suffered great pain. He was crucified. He died. He went to hell. He rose from the dead to give me life. And if he did all of that, I can receive it. I have faith that Jesus Christ died for me. I have faith 
that Jesus Christ will live in my heart. Forgive me of all of my sin. Every sin that I've ever committed. Forgive me and cleanse me. Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Give me a new life, new hope, and a new start starting today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that is a life-changing prayer. If you believe that with your heart, a miracle took place in your heart right now. Because it's nothing that you can do. It is only what he has already done. And it's when you put your faith in what he has done. Then your life is changed. Jesus Christ died for every one of us here. You can't get to heaven any other way. Except putting your faith completely in Jesus Christ. Now let's give the Lord a great big hand today for everything he's done. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to say three words. He is risen. Okay? It's like a cheer. It is. Are you ready? What are those three words? Okay. One, two, three. He is risen. That was just a warm-up. That, that was just practice, okay? Now we can do it together. Are you ready? One, two, three. He is risen. Now let's give the Lord another praise. Amen. God bless you. Great to see every one of you. Have a great day in Jesus. Amen.